Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we want to focus our attention on the shepherds. We'll start with verse number 8, and we'll go through verse number 20. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were filled with great fear. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the statement that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I have highlighted in my Bible verse number 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying. When they saw it, they made known the saying. Now, the angel's message came to them when they were in the field at night. They were experiencing the darkest hour when God showed up. You know, maybe you're experiencing a very difficult midnight experience yourself right now. But I'm here to tell you, don't despair. Because God often does some of his greatest work at the midnight hour. You see that in your notes. God often does some of his greatest work in the midnight hour. Maybe very difficult for you to say, Merry Christmas. Because for this holiday is anything but merry. There's so many folks that are going through very, very difficult times. This is Christmas Sunday a year ago. Ruth and I were watching the service online. She was in her hospice bed. I was sitting right beside her in my chair. And I put a little phone up on the table right beside her her bed. And and the, the service started out with our three granddaughters singing a trio. And so... Just enjoying that uh, that trio, and when it was done, I turned to say to her, "Well, what'd you think about that trio?" And I thought, "It doesn't look like she's breathing." 
just very quietly, she slipped into the arms of Jesus. Amen? And what a, what a peace there is to know that uh, at the end of this life, there can be eternal life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry what? Everything to God in prayer. It has been a blessing to receive some Christmas cards with folks saying we're praying for you especially during this season because tomorrow would be one year anniversary, the day after Christmas of her going to be with the Lord. And somebody sent me this. My first Christmas in heaven. I've had my first Christmas in heaven, a glorious, wonderful day. I stood with the saints of the angels who found Christ, the truth, and the way. I sang with the heavenly choir. Just think, I joined in to sing. And oh, what celestial music we brought to our Savior and King. We sang the glad songs of redemption, how Jesus to Bethlehem came, and how they call his name Jesus, that all might be saved through his name. We sang once again with the angels, the message they sang that blessed morn, when shepherds first heard the glad story that Jesus, the Savior, was born. Oh, dear ones, I wish you had been here. No Christmas on earth can compare with all the rapture and glory we witnessed in heaven so fair. You know how I always loved Christmas. It seemed such a wonderful day. With all of my loved ones around me, the children so happy and gay. Yes, now I can see why I loved it. And oh, what a joy it will be when you and my loved ones are with me to share in the glories I see. So dear ones on earth, here's my greeting. Look up till the day dawn appears. Oh, what a Christmas awaits us beyond our parting of tears. Amen? Amen. And so for us that uh, have lost loved ones, it may be one of those uh, midnight hours. Lots of times folks have gone through a difficult divorce. And so Christmas becomes very very difficult, or, or maybe a life-shattering medical condition. I was reading this last week that 54% of Americans, either themselves or a family member, have experienced cancer. That's over 50% of our population. 54% have either themselves or a loved one experienced cancer. Isn't that amazing? So, you know, and, and of course, with that may come a long time of suffering and, and, and just waiting for, for the end to come. Or it might be a financial disaster that has caused your midnight hour. But whatever it is, do you desperately need a good shepherd? We're focusing our attention today on the good shepherd. You know, the Bible tells us that, first of all, God the Father was described as a shepherd in the Old Testament. In Genesis 49, 24, it says, But his bow abode in strength. The arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. 
God was described as a shepherd. And then in Psalm 78, 52, but he made his own people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Isn't that amazing? The God of heaven is described as a shepherd. Then, of course, Jesus is pictured as a shepherd. John, John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And that's what the whole story is about. Yes, we celebrate his coming, but he came to do what? He came to die, amen? To give his life a ransom for the world. Then it says in Hebrews 13, verse 20, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Jesus is described as the great shepherd of the sheep. And you know, that shepherd is available to every person alive. Aren't you grateful? You don't have to say, I'm not too sure that, 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 that you're part of the chosen. Oh, let me tell you, whosoever will may come. That's in the Bible. Whosoever will. And so I'm so grateful that, yes, Jesus is pictured as a shepherd, but it's amazing, he's also pictured as a sheep. In John 1.29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, as John the Baptist, and saith, Behold the what? The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Wow! He's not only our shepherd, but he's our Lamb. The perfect Lamb of God that takes away our sin. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12 saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Why? Why is he worthy? Because he's the perfect Lamb of God. You see, a lamb had to be perfect to be able to be offered as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no washing away of sin. And that's why when Jesus came, it wasn't enough for him to die. Jesus had to shed his blood so that your sins and my sins could be covered, could be forgiven. And so we see not only is Jesus a shepherd, but he's our lamb. And so consequently, we are reading the story of the shepherds here in the field, and, and it's amazing God appearing to the shepherds through the angel's message. Well, let's first of all notice their lifestyle. What was it like to be a shepherd? Well, first of all, it was a very unpopular uh, and unprosperous occupation. Shepherds were despised. They, they were the least of the, uh, of the culture. In fact, it's even said that, that their testimony was not permitted in a court of law. <laughs> their testimony. In other words, nobody believed anything shepherds said, and so they couldn't even appear in the court of law and give testimony. Isn't that amazing? Wow. 
But what a, what, a, what a ministry they had. Because without a shepherd, what would happen to the sheep? They'd be ravished. They'd be killed. They'd be attacked. Isn't it interesting then that Jesus is our shepherd? The psalmist David said what? The Lord is... I love it that it didn't say the Lord is a shepherd, but it says the Lord is my shepherd. And that's so important. It's not enough, folks, for to say, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, I believe that Jesus um, uh, was a good person, was a great preacher. Uh, It's not even enough to say that I believe that Jesus died for the sins of people. It's only when I say Jesus has become my shepherd. When I have received him as my substitute, the Bible says that he's a savior, but only to those who have repented and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because without the shepherd, the sheep are totally helpless. See, the shepherd would sleep in the door of the sheepfold. Every night, he'd get all the sheep into this big sheepfold and, and, and was uh, surrounded by stones or thorny branches or whatever to keep uh, any, uh, any predators out. But there was one gate, and it was wide open. But every night then, once he got all the sheep in the sheepfold, the shepherd would lie down in the gate and go to sleep. So what does that tell us about the security of the sheep? Any predator that wanted to get to the sheep had to get past who? The shepherd, right? You know, the same thing is true for you and me. We have such a protection and such a provision that any enemy that's trying to get to you has to get past your shepherd, right? And God has a purpose and plan for every hardship that you and I face. The shepherd often allows those hardships to take place. Now, shepherds would live in in waterproof tents. They had had long woolen clothes and and, a long felt overcoat that during the day could be used to kind of protect him from the sun. At night, of course, that long felt overcoat would protect him uh, from the cold. Well, what kind of weapons did he have? Not much. He didn't have a high-powered rifle, even though there were lions out there. There were bears out there. Remember when David was talking to King Saul? And Goliath was down in the valley. What did David say? He said, one time I was taking care of my father's sheep and a bear came and wanted to take one of our sheep. And David said, not on my watch. That's in the Hebrew. (laughs) Not while I'm watching the sheep because I'm taking care of dad's sheep. And so you're not getting one. And then he said, another time a lion came. Now this is not a little purry kitty cat. A lion. And he got so close that it was too close for a slingshot. He fought him tooth and nail, so to speak. And he said, I killed the bear. I killed the lion. 
What is this heathen Philistine down in the valley to God? So a shepherd then would have to protect his sheep from bears and lions and wolves and coyotes and, and all these types of things. The amazing thing is the shepherd was willing to give his life protecting his innocent sheep. Isn't that amazing? Give his life for the sheep. That's why it's such a thrill today to be able to celebrate Christmas and today to be able to say, yes, Jesus came as a baby, but he showed his love for us in this way on the cross. Amen? That whosoever will may come. And so he's our protector. It was also said that shepherds would many times have to wander for days just looking for water for his sheep. Wow. You talk about perseverance. You know, sometimes we can, we can work a couple of hours <laughs> and we're tired. <clears throat> and we say, well, it didn't work. Not a shepherd. Because he had at least a hundred sheep in his fold. And, and he knew every one of them by name. We used to support a missionary by the name of Roger Bergman, who was, was uh, ministering in the Basque region of Spain. And, and that, that region is covered with, with mountains and, and, and hills and, and, and a lot of shepherds. And he said, every shepherd had an individual bell under the neck of every sheep. So he said if he had 100 sheep, he had 100 different bells on 100 different sheep. So when he heard a bell on the other side of the knoll, he'd know exactly which sheep it was. Aren't you glad God knows your name? Amen? Aren't you glad God knows what you're going through? Whatever it is, whatever midnight hour you're going through, God is there. And he'll never leave you nor what? Forsake you. Amen? That's the kind of shepherd that we have. <laughs> it's interesting. The shepherd would count all of his sheep every morning before they would go out into pasture. And then every night, before he would lie down in the, in the gate of the sheepfold, he would count every sheep. Reminds us of the story in Luke 15, where the shepherd had 100 sheep and he counted them and came up to what? 99. And so he left the 99 in the sheepfold and went out looking for the last one. Aren't you glad that once we come to Christ, God doesn't ever lose us? We don't ever slip out of his hand. He is there permanently, caring for every need that you have. That's why prayer is such a, such a blessing. Oh, my. Whew. You know, the longer I live the sweeter the prayer. I wish I had learned to pray more when I was young. But I went through the hardest time in my ministry years ago. And I woke up the next morning and I realized, 
I don't have a job. I don't have any insurance. I don't have any income. I'm in a mess. And I began to really pray. See, when we get desperate with God, God gets desperate with us. You see that? The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I like that fervent part. So many times we just kind of glibly say, well, Lord this, and Lord that, you know. But it's the fervent prayer. And so the songwriter said, just keep on praying till light breaks through. Amen? The Lord will answer. He'll answer you. God keeps his promise. His word is true. Just keep on praying till light breaks through. Now what, what was so important about shepherds that God would reveal the first message of the birth of his son to them. I mean, <clears throat> there were other people in Bethlehem closer to the babe and Mary and Joseph than the shepherds were. There were richer folks in Bethlehem that, that could have taken better care of that baby than they could in the, in the, in the end. There were more prominent people whose testimony would have been more readily received than the testimony of shepherds. Why in the world did God give the first message to shepherds? Well, first of all, because he said it's for all people. For all people. And so consequently, everybody needs the message. Amen? All people, shepherds, the lowest caste, they all need the message. And so consequently, they would begin to share the message with other shepherds. See, if the rich had gotten the message, the message would never have gone to shepherds because they were the outcasts. Oh, but when the shepherds get the message, it begins to spread to everybody because they're not proud. In fact, somebody said it this way. They would glorify God. Remember that in the, in the story? They glorified God. See, they wouldn't glorify themselves. So many times it's easy for us when we get an important message. Hey, 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 look at me. And we tend to glorify ourselves. Shepherds would never glorify themselves. They would just glorify God. And so the message was for all people. What, what was the message? Born to you a Savior. Now, why do all people need a Savior? I was talking to, I was out witnessing one time, and, and I said, uh, Sir, let me ask you, have you ever been saved? And he said, saved from what? See, so many times we, we just think of the Bible terms, you know, of being saved. And, and so, you know, we ask a question, have you ever been saved? And so he says, saved from what? And I said, saved from hell. He looked back at me and he said, um, I don't know. I hope so. See, not many people today think about hell, do they? But that's why we need a Savior. 
Because if we pay for our own sins, it has to be in a place of burning hell. But I'm so grateful. God doesn't send people to hell. We send ourselves to hell by rejecting the sweetest story ever told. God loves you. By rejecting the greatest gift ever given, the gift of salvation to meet the greatest need we would ever have. And that's the need to be saved. And so repentance, wanting to change, sorry because of our sin, and faith. Putting your faith in what Jesus did on the cross, and that alone, to forgive your sins. Have you ever done that? That's the greatest decision any of us could ever make. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And, and that's toward all men. That's why our church is called One Hope. Because it's to all people. Amen? It's a diverse explanation. It, 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 it's, <laughs> God wants us to, to spread the world the word to the entire world. And I'm so grateful that One Hope Church is doing that. Sharing God's peace. Somebody put it this way. Peace of God, peace with God, and peace from God. The peace of God. The Bible says, my peace give I unto you, not as the world give I unto you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Those are the words of Jesus. Peace I give to you. And peace from God. And peace with God. Oh, what a tremendous joy it is to know that when we stand before the judge of all nations, our record has already been clean. We don't have to worry because we have peace with God. Now, in your notes... You've got no God, no peace. N-O, God. N-O, peace. But then I've also given you no God, K-N-O-W, God, and you will K-N-O-W, peace. So once you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we begin to know peace. Then it says in verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as was told unto them. So they would basically be voices of declaration. They made known abroad. Now, it's interesting to me. When they got this wonderful message, they could have been tempted to say, hey, I think we need to go into business. Think we need to start holding seminars on listening to angels. I think we need to start writing music. I need to, no, 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 no. They never changed their jobs. They were just changed men. And that's exactly what God calls every one of us to be. We don't have to change our jobs. We just have to be changed people. Amen. So wherever you are, wherever you serve, wherever you work, you have been placed there on purpose. 
Now think about that. Wow. When you go back to work, when you go back to school, that is your place of ministry. Nobody else can fill your shoes. Amen? So you and I are given the same message that the shepherds were given. And so consequently, we have been specifically chosen to proclaim the good news just like the shepherds were chosen to proclaim the good news. I guess the question is, how are we doing? How are we doing? They came and worshiped. They left and witnessed. I want to close with this true story. In 1994, two Americans answered an invitation from the Russian Department of Education to teach morals and ethics based on biblical principles in the public schools in Russia. They were invited to teach in prisons, businesses, fire and police departments, and a large orphanage. And in the orphanage, there were a hundred young people, children, who had been abandoned, abused, and left to the care of the state. They relate the following story in their own words. It was nearing the holiday season, 1994, time for our orphans to hear for the first time the traditional story of Jesus. We told them about Mary and Joseph arriving in Bethlehem, finding no room in the inn. The couple went to a stable where baby Jesus was born and placed in a manger. Throughout the story, the children of the orphanage staff sat in amazements on their stools and, and on their, their little pads, eyes wide open for the first time ever hearing the story of the birth of Jesus. Completing the story, we gave the children three small pieces of cardboard to make a crude manger. Each child was given a small paper square cut from yellow napkins that I had brought with me. No colored paper was available in the city. Following instructions, the children tore the paper carefully and laid strips in the manger for straw. Small squares, uh, squares of flannel cut from a worn-out nightgown an American lady who was leaving Russia had left. Uh, those pieces of flannel were used for baby blankets. A doll-like baby was cut from tan felt that we had brought from the United States. The orphans were assembling their majors. I walked around to see if any of them needed help. All went well until I came to the table where little Misha sat. He looked to be about uh, six years old and had finished his pro project. And I was looking at it and all of a sudden I realized there are two babies in this manger. And so I asked the interpreter to come and, and ask him why there were two babies. Crossing his arms in front of him and looking at the completed manger scene, the child began to repeat the story very seriously. For such a young boy, he had only heard the Christmas story once, he related the happenings accurately until he came to the part where Mary put Jesus in the manger. And then Misha began to ad lib. He made up his own ending to the story and he said, and when Mary laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me and asked if I had a place to stay. 
I told him I didn't have any mama, and I didn't have any papa, so I didn't have any place to stay. Then Jesus told me I could stay with him, but I told him I couldn't because I didn't have a gift to give him like everybody else had. But I wanted to stay with Jesus so much, so I thought about what I had that maybe I could use as a gift. I thought maybe if I kept him warm, maybe that would be a good gift. So I asked Jesus, if I keep you warm, will that be a good enough gift? And Jesus told me, if you keep me warm, that'll be the best gift anybody ever gave me. So I got into the manger, and then Jesus looked at me and he told me, I could stay with him for always. As little Misha finished his story, his eyes brimmed full of tears that splashed down his little cheeks. Putting his hand over his face, his head dropped to the table and his shoulders shook as he sobbed and sobbed. The little orphan had found someone who would never abandon or abuse him, someone who would stay with him for always. And the Americans? They had learned the lesson they had come there to teach, that it is not what you have in life but who you have in life that really counts. And the same thing is true for us today, amen? It's not what we have in life. It's not the gifts that we get for Christmas. It's not the toys that we have. It's not the positions or power that we have, but it's who we have. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.